Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we welcome Revolve's Raisa Girona to the show or to my Zoom room, whatever we feel like calling it these days. Raisa is the chief brand officer of Revolve and the co-founder of Alliance Apparel. Leading the Revolve brand marketing team, Raisa spearheads the company's unparalleled influencer marketing strategy, bringing the Revolve brand to life through social media activations and events around the globe. In 2010, Raisa co-founded Lovers and Friends, the first in-house brand to be brought under the Alliance Apparel umbrella in 2013, and it's now one of Revolve's top-selling brands. Raisa continues to build Revolve's brand awareness, leading experiential marketing campaigns and strategy to ensure it's at the forefront of contemporary fashion for savvy millennials and Gen Z consumers. In this episode, Raisa and I talk about how she started as a brand designer and rose in the ranks to become Revolve's CBO, what the pioneer of influencer marketing sees for its future, and how Revolve has changed amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's my friend, Raisa Drona. Why do you look good? I like pulled myself together for you. That's so not fair. I feel like your skin is glowing. I put a little makeup on. I just did a Dior skincare live interview, so I... That's why. I'm like, you look so good and you look so skinny. I do. We've been in quarantine. I'm definitely not skinny right now. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like the most, yeah, same. How are you? I'm, where are you? I'm in LA. I live with my boyfriend. This is where I've been quarantining and hiding out from the world. I feel like it's a better, like New York. I wake up every day, no matter what I could potentially be complaining about. I am just grateful that I'm not in New York right now because I'd definitely be by myself. And like also just space and, yeah. you know. Sunshine. Like, so my best friend is actually quarantining with me. But oh, I she, love that. And so she is here. And we were saying like, at least here, you still even have like the option to like go in your car. Right. Like Totally. It would be hard. Yeah, it's difficult. How about you? How are you and your family? Really fine. Like we're good. My whole family is based in LA. So it's like nice, but obviously we don't get to see them. Um, I think my parents were like, they're older and they were like, oh, it's totally fine. And I'm like, I, I was like the meme where I was like, guys, stay home. Like you have to like take this seriously. But I think at this point they're like, okay, we have to like not have people over. Like they were still yeah. having people over. But yeah, overall, I feel like good it's been tough obviously adjusting with like the new norm for the business i think more than personally i i mean everyone's always like oh you probably go out all the time but like if i'm not on a revolve trip or whatever like i'm at home with my daughter so it wasn't like a, yes it's a shift like we're not going out but it's also just like nice to spend time with her yeah but the last few weeks have just been really challenging obviously on the work side and just adjusting to everything <laughs> Everything. Every, literally everything. 
Like there's not one, I don't think there's one part of our lives that we didn't have to change. Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, for one as a working mom, never having spent this much time with my daughter is like, I'm sure everyone feels like that, but I really understand and value our nanny (laughs) even like I mean this is all gonna sound so like annoying but like you know like our house like having to clean the house and you know look that's a reality I totally love that you're saying this because for a while it's like I wanted to say something like that where it's like oh my god I value all these things and you feel kind of bad for saying it but it's your reality yeah like yeah like I was saying like I again like this is gonna I'm like the most annoying person but like I didn't even have like bathroom cleaning things Cause like, <laughs> so now I'm like ordering all this stuff from Amazon and I'm like, okay. And like, just like getting in the zone of doing it, but it's definitely a lot with just managing, obviously still having to work. And then the time that, you know, you have to, I mean, everyone knows now, like I had to put on like frozen too, because there's no one to watch it. And I'm like, dude, I can do it. What are you going to do? Frozen yeah. So it's like, what can I do? You're not alone in that boat. Everyone's going through the same thing. If that gives you any consolation. I don't have a daughter, but I fostered a dog for a second. And that was just like having a kid. (laughs) I'm scary. Basically, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really glad that you're in good spirits and well, and your family's healthy. And I hope that today feels lighter than most days. So I always like to start the show. Where are you from and where do you live now? Okay. So I am from the Philippines. I was born in a tiny, tiny town, a province called Bulacan. I moved to the U.S. in Los Angeles when I was seven years old. And I grew up in Sun Valley, California, which is in the Valley. So I still have an 818 number. (laughs) Honestly, shout out the Valley. I didn't grow up in the Valley, but I went to school out there and I say this on, I've said this on way, I went to Buckley, but I say this on way too many podcasts that I think the Valley is like the hidden gem of California. (laughs) I love it. It kind of is like, yeah, Yeah. like my parents still live in the same house that we grew up in. And so I, I just, I love it. I don't want to change my number. And like, I think it has like the perfect, what do you call this? Like you can have so much more space there, but still kind of like close to LA. It's not like right. so far. Right. Um, and especially like if you're just like going out over the hill, if you're like in Sherman Oaks or Studio City. But yes, that yeah. is where I'm from. Love that. I didn't know that you weren't born here. I actually had no idea. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't born here. So I have two other sisters. I'm the middle of three and none of us were born here. So my, so Dylan is like first generation, which is, you know, really. Dylan like is her always, daughter, by the way. Oh yeah. Sorry. My daughter, Dylan, <laughs> she's two. She just turned two is like, you know, it's crazy because I feel like I have lived here my whole life, but at the yeah. same time, you know, immigrated here and having a totally different perspective on what life is because I still go back to the Philippines and actually most of my outside, obviously my immediate family, like my mom's like siblings and stuff, my dad's siblings, they still all live in the Philippines. And so, you know, you have, it's, it's crazy to just see like how, how they live their lives. And it's just, that could have been me, but for some weird reason, my parents, you know, I got lucky in that way. Yeah. That I was able to move here and have all these um, opportunities that I have. I thought super interesting to me thinking about your interest in fashion and if that came at a young age living in the Philippines, then moving to Los Angeles and how those both differed in your, in like the evolution of your taste. For sure. I feel like my whole life I was not fashionable, but the fun fact is my grandma, who I 
was pretty close to actually owned an, a manufacturing company, a clothing manufacturing company. So like people or my family always tease me that it's kind of in my blood and I take after her. And she was so incredibly fashionable. Like she died when she was 95 until she was 95. She was always like decked out and always had lipstick on and had like the best bags and shoes. And, you know, that's kind of how I learned about like designer stuff was through her. Um, but I was not fashionable at all. <laughs> Crazy. Cause like, you're now literally one of the most fashionable women I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you. I, I know. I feel like I was always kind of like, you know, following trends and of course, as I still am, but I think it really started to develop when I was like, in college when I really started to get into vintage, like I just became obsessed and all I wore and also out of just like necessity because I didn't have any money was just to buy like used clothing at thrift stores. And so that's kind of how I started to really find out about fashion and, you know, what real vintage means versus just used clothing. And that's kind of how I developed my side hustle and got into like the clothing business. Where did you go to college and what did you study? So I went to UC Irvine, which is in Orange County, and I studied political science and really had my heart set on becoming a lawyer. But thankfully, <laughs> I didn't. I'm kidding. No, it's so funny because now I'm like, man, I could have really used that law degree because I have to like obviously negotiate so many contracts and really be mindful and thoughtful of all the yeah, deals but that, that we do. But it came into play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, I studied political science and took my LSATs. Everything was like I was on course to basically go to law school. And then I studied abroad, just like most people or, or a lot of people and had like this epiphany. But my senior year in college and I studied in Italy and really just kind of saw another perspective on life, you know, coming from the Philippines where it's incredibly poor you know, really not a lot of resources or opportunities. And then you come to America and it's just like, so, you know, opportunity central, everybody works their butts off and all you do is like, it's just about that, right? Like make money, grind it out. And then you go to Italy or in Europe and everyone's kind of like, take a siesta. Why don't you take a four hour dinner? What's that amazing life? saying? That's like the rest of the world works to live and Americans live to work. Yeah. But yes, I like, again, it. like it was my first time like going anywhere else except again, the Philippines and the U S. And so going to this in Europe, like I was first of all, like floored by how incredibly beautiful I went to study in a city called Siena, which is in Tuscany. I was just like, what the Whoa. hell? I know. Seriously. I like, <laughs> what? I, like it was like my first international like experience. And I was just completely floored and I was there for four months and then traveled for a month after to like multiple like countries around Europe. And again, it was like just a whole new way of looking at life of like, wow. So it's not just about like having, you know, a six figure salary and, you know, driving your dream car. Like you can have, you know, potentially a job that you enjoy. It was like the first time I had this concept of like an enjoyable life. Because again, like it was just so embedded in me from such a young age that like you, you know, got to, a chance to come to America to change your life. You take every opportunity. You need to work for everything that you have. And then this stark contrast in Europe. And I think it was a perfect balance of really, you know, resetting my thoughts on life and figuring out what I wanted to do for a living. 
which is so, so important. Yeah, it's amazing how many people I've had on the show that have talked about in a broad experience that has totally floored and like shaken the foundation of their life. Yeah, and I, I always, and I know people like make fun of like, okay, when you study, everyone talks about studying abroad, but I do think it was so impactful and it's kind of at this perfect age when you are about to venture into your, you know, the third phase of your life or whatever you want to refer to, your adult life. And it just came at the perfect time. So you're in college, you're studying political science. When did the big shift happen to you going into fashion and creating a line? It wasn't until after I graduated and I decided to take a year off and not go to law school. And I just got like basically a job like doing sales and just had to like survive because my parents were super like annoyed that I didn't go to law school and didn't go as planned, which most parents you know, tend to feel. And I, you know, start again, because I was really into vintage. I started an eBay store. This was like when eBay was popping, like in 2006, 2005, 2005, 2006. And I just started selling like things that I found on eBay. And the store kind of like did really well. And again, it was just like a side hustle. I would just take photos, post it, whatever, sell it. Eventually, I started to remake a lot of the stuff that I was making or that I was finding. So, you know, making like long skirts shorter, making like, you know, a tube top out of skirts, just like being like, just kind of modernizing things without knowing anything. And I did this like, using my local like dry cleaner because you know usually they have like somebody that cuts like that sews random things or repair stuff and so I kind of just struck a deal with her to like help me out and just doing a few dresses and then I immediately saw that that stuff was selling faster than all the vintage stuff and so in 2007 I decided to quit my sales job and borrowed money from my then boyfriend's parents with some of my like tiny 401k money that I saved for like the two years that I worked at my job and then launched my brand and it was all made out of like this was in 2007 and it was all made out of like vintage and everything was one of a kind that was the ultimate like hustler entrepreneurial story right there (laughs) seriously though it was like I love the dry cleaner bit yeah I mean because I didn't know how to do anything but I was like wait they totally have sewing machines and and then from there like when I launched my brand I just kind of like this is when again apparel manufacturing was you know was one of like the biggest like types of businesses in Los Angeles. Um, it's so sad that a lot of that obviously has gone abroad, but where you can just walk down, up and down downtown and kind of like there were so many pattern makers and manufacturers and sample makers. And so I just would knock on everyone's doors and just basically like ask them like, hey, can you do this for me? And at the time, like the concept of making something out of sort of something already made, it was like kind of unheard of. Like um, I kind of always joke that I was like the original Reformation. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, this is so long. I mean, 2007. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was really hard because people were like, what? You, you don't have rolls of fabrics. It was constantly pitching and selling this dream. And eventually a few people took the chance on me and I had such small orders, you know, I would be like, make five of this and 10 of this. And then that actually led me to my brand, led me to meet like Michael, who is the CEO, co-founder of Revolve, Candice Lee, who was a buyer at Revolve, who now runs like all the design for our own brands division of Revolve. She was a buyer then and found my line and Revolve eventually became like my biggest customer and I wholesale to them. And so that's how I met all those guys. So my brand was Bridget Catiz and it went out of business. Okay. And then, because when that was like the 
you know, everyone keeps comparing like the coronavirus now to like the recession of 2008, 2009. But honestly, it doesn't feel the same. Like having experienced that as a, you know, as a young person whose business went out of business, like that's why I, I literally had to close my business. Like I didn't, I ran out of money, stores started closing, started canceling my orders. I didn't know what to do. And so in 2009, I had just two years after launching my brand, I had to close my business. And that's when Michael was like, Hey, that sucks. So you had to close your business. But what do you think about like starting a brand together? Because, you know, you obviously like, work hard you have all this stuff blah 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 blah. we can sell it on revolve and that's how lovers and friends was born again so cliche but everything that's happened for a reason totally and even though this what we're dealing with now with coronavirus is so different and because it happened so fast i think with the recession even though the market crashed i think the effects of it was a little bit slower to be honest in terms of this happened overnight i literally woke up one day and everything was closed I was locked in my house, like I blinked my eyes and this is where we are. And I don't really remember how we got here. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, yeah. yeah when, and so when I try to compare this experience to, again, back then and having been one of the brands that had to close, I try to, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Because for me, that was like Michael asking me, like as if I won the lottery, honestly, to be like, hey, Revolve isn't really making any big investments right now because we're in a recession, but like, would you want to do this side thing with me? Like, which is like start lovers and friends. And so, and that eventually led to us building a few other brands. And in 2014 revolve as the actual like uh, entity bought the side company that Michael started with me. And that's kind of how it all became just one. So, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is like, yes, like, <laughs> Times are tough and who knows what will happen, but I do know that we will come out of it. And man, some good opportunities can come out of it. So uh, I was as a living example. I was reading an amazing, actually it was was a YouTube video that had talked about how so many of the most popular businesses today were started around the time of the recession because people needed opportunity and people saw a need for something. Exactly. And I think, you know, when I get like last week was a tough week for me, emotionally and mentally, I think just not even because we're quarantined, but it was just like, again, the business looks so different than it did two weeks ago. You know, there's so many looming questions about, you know, layoffs and what's going to happen with everything. And even apparel business in general, like you hear so many other businesses like that are going through it and the people that I know, you know, that's been emotionally challenging, but I think yeah. being able to, to again, pick myself back up and say, okay, you know what, this kind of has happened to you before, you know, try to look at the, the light at the end of the tunnel, see where there's opportunity, stay grounded and stay focused and try not to make any like really bad emotional decisions. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Since you went through a tough time in the last recession and had to close your business, is there a piece of advice that you have for young businesses, maybe even in the apparel space that you would say to them now that are going through a hard time? I think staying active, I know that seems like very like broad, but when I say active as in like literally like, you know, 
whether it's reaching out to people, you know, emailing with people, reading up on what, you know, what everyone is doing, seeing what you can do. I think like, you know, being nimble is one of the biggest things and staying active that you can do when everyone else could potentially be like collapsing literally and emotionally, physically, whatever is for you to like pick yourself back up, stay nimble and like educate yourself on all the things that you can do because there are opportunities out there. And I think I am definitely one of the living examples that happened in 2000 when in the recession where I closed my business and then boom, it was like literally six months after I was presented this opportunity to start a business with Michael. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a good, really good piece of advice. I'd love to talk a little bit about pre-coronavirus, kind of what your role is within Revolve. For those of you who are just kind of tuning in, I am talking to Risa Drona. She's the chief brand officer at Revolve. You guys are obviously very well known for your influencer marketing and also just having an amazing inventory and collection of incredible brands. Um, So I'd love to just get down into the meat of that. And then of course, later, just kind of see where you guys are at in terms of coronavirus, because it's such a scary time. But so- After your initial meeting with Michael, what did it take for you to rise within the ranks to now be the chief brand officer? Sure. So when we started Lovers and Friends, again, that was like in 2009, the end of 2009, when I closed my business, that was kind of like the rise of the bloggers. Like you actually had to have a blog to be a blogger. Right. (laughs) And at that time- Which is like a rare concept, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But now I'm like, oh my God, I kind of miss it. Like having a blog and having, obviously social media has changed so much, but I think like that's so fun to just have like that aspect of connection with a different connection, you know? But yeah, I started like reaching out to a lot of the bloggers and just being like, hi, I started this new business called Lovers and Friends. Would you want to wear, you know, some of the stuff? And we'll just email them and send them packages and stuff like that. And, you know, really form those relationships super early on. Literally, we're talking about like one of the first people to ever do this, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, and then, you know, when Revolve kind of like bought Lovers and Friends, oh my God, my daughter is, hi, you want to come in? I'm doing an interview. Are you eating almonds? Okay. You're nuts. Okay. Come here. Sit. Come here. No shoes right now. She's like literally always- This is my favorite episode so far. (laughs) Come here. You want to say hi? Are you not feeling it? She's in here with me. Sorry. Basically, Michael was like, listen, like you were already doing a lot of this stuff. And we had like tried the trip concept during Lovers and Friends. I did it with Julie of Sincerely Jewels and Kiara of The Blonde Salad. And it was just like them two, me and this other girl that worked with me at the time, Julie- friend Kiara brought her ex-boyfriend and the six of us went on a trip and like we immediately saw like oh man this is when like Instagram just launched too like we instantly saw that people were like into it instantly like engaged with the photos and so like I had I'd pitched this concept of like traveling to to Mike and Michael. So Mike is the other co-owner and co-founder of Revolve for a while. When people ask me like, okay, you know, this whole concept of Revolve around the world, I'm like, it's actually like not that genius. It's so old school because like when when you traveled with your family, that's the photos that your mom and your dad would would, you know, develop and put up in your hallway at home. And that's kind of like also again, like I always revert back to studying abroad. When I studied abroad and traveled, I'd never like, I'd never experienced like partying on the beach like you do in Europe. Like it's been so wonderful, like 
and I'm again, I'm so happy that I'm having this conversation with you because during these times it it is so trying and it's so like can get really like difficult, but it's like I've had and I continue to have like the best job, like traveling and like experiencing all these things and um and I mean literally like it's also just been like such a wonderful ride and I've I've had so much fun and I continue to have so much fun even in these challenging times like this is such a good way to to think about it yeah it is it definitely is and since then because it's literally been almost it's been like 10 or 11 years now how do you think the influencer marketing program for you guys has grown but it changes constantly because now there's tiktok (laughs) you know what i mean i know i know no i don't know what you mean i'm scared of tiktok it's so fun and addicting it's crazy but basically i think my short answer to influencers and how it continues to evolve and what i think about influencers is that there's always space and room for them I think the platform will change, you know, before it was like editors and, you know, I mean, celebrities, I think will always be as we continue to see that and supermodels, but people always want, especially women to look up to someone and to get inspiration from them. And again, before maybe it was like magazines and then it became blogs and then it was Facebook and now it's like Instagram and, you know, Snapchat at some point. But I think fashion and inspiration is always going to be like important. And so um, I don't think that influencers are going to going to go out of style. I think it continues to evolve. And I appreciate that so much. Like you're an influencer and like uh, there's different moms that I look up to that don't have this massive following, but like, you know, are just like killing it and have these crazy careers. And so I think it's finding someone that you can relate to and feel inspired by. And I think that that's why I love influencers. And when people say anything like negative about them, I'm like, but why? They're just like trying to do their thing. It's and true. There's such a stigma against it. It's a shame. But why do you think that personally? I'm just, I'm just wondering. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I think about this all the time from like a human psyche perspective. I'm like, do they think that we're self-centered or do like, I remember one time I was doing a shoot in New York and I was on the street and a really mean old man, like walked up to me while I was shooting. And he was like, you're the reason that New York is ruined. And so I think after that moment, I was like, okay, I think that there is a like, human there's like a psychological response to you know maybe someone taking getting their photo taken or taking a selfie like there is that inherent kind of like weird stigma against that and I think that might be it but besides that you know I personally don't get it I think that if you're an influencer who's using your platform for good what's the harm in that and I think that whether you like to admit it or not influencers have dominated so much of popular culture and what people are paying attention to other influencers that I admire have helped me find new passions and new things that I'm excited about and new causes to support and books to read and so many other like things that are just sources of inspiration. So it's confusing thing that there is such a bad stigma. For sure. And I just, I think myself as well as like, I just, I think my team and Revolve as a whole, like, you know, I think one of the keys or whatever to us, like having had success with influencers and influencer marketing is that we genuinely respect them and know that they work hard and that they're just as vulnerable and as most people and also as like as entrepreneurs, like you're putting yourself out there. And a lot of times you're not making any money from the start. You know, you're literally having very true to like fund your own, like whatever it is, your trips, your 
whatever you're trying to do to make that happen and for brands to, uh, to, to recognize you and acknowledge you. So this is mommy's cup, you remember? Don't drink it. You can smell it. It doesn't smell good. Don't drink it. Coffee though. smells the best. <laughs> Having that mutual respect as, as people that are building businesses and influencing people for the good is always how we approached it. And I think that's not going to change ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean I, I, I also said now there's also podcasts, you know, like there's right. just like different platforms and mediums that you can get inspiration from, but that is never going to go away. Obviously the most fruitful relationships have been the ones that, you know, we, again, people that we've worked with for a long time, whether that's, you know, obviously Camilla and Ami um, of Song of Style, you know, we now have a brand with both of them and they we've worked with Ami for like I mean for years for like seven yeah seven and a half almost eight years and that hasn't been an overnight thing of, of just creating a brand together it's really getting to know each other just like any relationship because when you do a brand together it's almost like you know it's a commitment yeah no it is <laughs> and so you're going so into business that with them. yeah and so I think people um, or sometimes influencers also fail to see that and they're just like, oh, like I want a brand too. But it's like, well, we got to work at this and make sure like we really like each other and that you understand that, you know, our vision and we understand yours and it's finding that match and it, it's taken a long time to get here. I was going to ask next, I mean, how are you utilizing with influencers being such a big part of your business now? How are you guys utilizing those relationships right now in a time where it's challenging. We don't really know if we feel in the right space to be advertising or kind of utilizing that world. What does that mean for you guys in the COVID-19 pandemic? In the beginning, like the first definitely week, it was like, whoa, like this is crazy. How do we do this? Everything is so sensitive. Um, And also trying to figure out like, how do we use finally like our platform and our relationships for the good? So I think it was like two question two parallel questions of like what do we do now um and then how do we you know we've built such an incredible network of people to help us figure out what we want to do and so I think uh so that was like week one and then in the last two weeks it's really just mobilizing on we decided like okay we can get mask so we're like really mobilizing and um revolve is uh, donating 250,000 masks That's amazing. to hospitals. Yeah. I'm, I was actually going to hit you up about this, but now that I'm on here, this is perfect. But the campaign is going live on Monday. So last week we just did one post and we said, you know, we have, te- we, we were able to get 10,000 masks. Whoever needs to needs it the most, like let us know. And we got such an incredible response. And so we were able to get more, but now we're like, fuck it, like, let's try to do 5 million masks. And so we're doing a GoFundMe that's, yeah, so we're doing a GoFundMe that's launching on Monday. Um, And again, I'm just like personally reaching out to, this is when all those relationships and the years of like building with someone comes in where I'm just like DMing like my friends really to be like, hey, can you just like post this on your stories? And just, it's really just the link to the GoFundMe. I'm not even asking for money of just like helping to push it and promote it. So like that was one of how we're able to like really, again, utilize that network. And then the second is like, okay, yes, we are in a crisis. Yes, life is different, but life is still have to go on and business has to go on. And I think in, in some capacity, I think I know for myself and a lot of the people on my team, like we're kind of just like, 
can we talk about something else that's not Corona? Can we just like not send each other uh, Wall Street Journal articles anymore? <laughs> and like, you know, just because it was, it, it, you're just like you said in the beginning, you're inundated with all this information, which is incredible, but it's also very draining and very sad. And I'm not saying to turn it off and like, you know, compartmentalize and like never deal with it but it's like there also has to be this like balance because we're in this for a while i mean they're saying april 30th who knows no and way. so yeah exactly especially because like most of the country's not even on like complete right. like you know stay at home orders and so i think that's how we're approaching it and saying like all right well who are our key partners who really does understand the brand i'm also looking at you know i had a really long great meeting yesterday of like who is like really thriving in this like environment? When I say thriving, like they got their groove. They understand like what their audience is looking for. They're staying positive and also being honest and truthful. I think there's also some influencers that are having a harder time navigating through this with posting photos and, you know, whatever from home, which I understand. It's a, a huge transition, especially if you're like a big travel blogger or whatever or influencer. So it's also finding those people that are like, resonating but in the most i hate saying this word but i will authentic way to their fans and the consumer where they can still say like you know what i am at home but like today like i put on this song of style blazer and this redone um t-shirt because i'm like i'm also kind of over wearing sweats like yes it was kind of cool and fun for two weeks but now i'm like this is i might people might hate me for saying this but like when I feel good on the outside, it kind of does help on the absolutely. inside. Okay, absolutely. Um, That's not a superficial thing. I think anybody who believes in putting on makeup or like jewelry or just cute clothes has to know that it has something to do with your mindset. Totally. And I, like I said, last week was a tough week for me. Why was it so and tough? If you don't I mind me like, asking. Again, oh yeah, sure. No, I think again, it, it was that knowing like, oh my gosh, the business is completely different. Obviously our sales are not where they were just two weeks ago. Um, marketing is so different. Um, as a brand that has built its brand on travel and big crowds, this is a huge challenge for me and my team yeah. to be like, what do you do now? And so I was like, and you know, everything that you were, it felt at that moment, everything that I worked for and built, it took years to like, I, you know, I, we built the team from the ground up, like, you know what I mean? To, to do all these things that we have, that we do at Revolve, you know, events and active. We're so active. We travel all the time, like once a month, you know, once every six weeks. And so it's like this new norm. Um, and so it was mentally and emotionally challenging. And then, you know, and then that's why I think this week, it, I'm like, you know what, I need to refocus, recenter yourself, because um, one, a lot of people are counting on you to do it. Two, what an amazing opportunity and challenge because you have been in the groove and now you're presented with this other challenge where you could you know again like similar to call it eight nine years ago where no one was really traveling or doing all these things you could be at the far forefront of something and do something else for your customers and your fans that hasn't really been done before or done in a different way um, and so then I kind of like picked myself back up in that way and then said you know what Every day, I'm just going to like put on something cute um, as if I was going into the office. And like, even if I'm just wearing slippers, um, <laughs> not heels, but just like not sweats and, you know, doing my brow, like little things like putting on lip gloss in my brows and just, you know, in a necklace because I was just like, you know, it just made me feel like better. Put on like earrings today. Better. 
yay, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, it just put me in a better headspace. And totally. I this in this time of uncertainty, like I also feel the need or the want, but also need to like be a good leader to my team. And so, you know, uh, so last week was tough, but uh, this week I feel like very, uh, the glass is half full. I feel opportunistic and I feel more centered. So I feel good about that. I love that. Speaking of which, you obviously are used to going into an office every day. You lead a big team. Do you have any work from home hacks for people that are struggling with adapting to this new normal? I don't know if it's like a hack. I am kind of like getting in the flow and the zone of a schedule of like, okay, wake up. I mean, basically it seems very similar to what I was doing when I was going into work, but just like running an hour or an hour and a half behind. Right. Like before I would like work out at seven or seven thirty, and I'm working out at nine. So I'm actually working out like almost every day. Um, That's and amazing. Same motion breakfast. Have, go, take, I mean, again, the first week, yeah, the shower. <laughs> but now I don't think like, most people no, did. You do all of those things. Right. I know because it was just like, what, what are you what's supposed to do? All now, of us were like, again, what's happening? Like, what's happening? But now I, I think getting on that schedule and even the simple things of, you know, having coffee kind of around the same time and I'm having coffee at a different, you know, like I have a, like a little sunroom area that I, I, that. I never really used before. And now, yeah, now I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have coffee there every morning. So I've been doing that. And then like making sure like I work out in this space every morning and kind of having like utilizing different parts of the house as kind of like, you know, moments to myself or just going into the flow of my schedule, I found where I want to like sit every day um, for my, you know, Zoom calls, which I, I feel busier than ever, but That's I'm also, great. P.S., drinking more wine than ever. I'm like, I'm like, is it 5.30 yet? Same. Oh my God. I'm lots like, of wine, like, lots of edibles, lots of couch time, lots of like, seriously. but then like, I'm also like scheduling meetings with myself. You know what? I'm not even, I'm going easy on myself during this time. I'm pushing myself to be as creative as I can, but I'm also being understanding of like, this shit is crazy. This shit is crazy. And this shit yeah, is crazy. And I think, and you know, I also love that you are talking about that and mentioning how like, you know, it's also like ease up. Like if you don't feel like working out, that's fine. If you don't get to read a book, that's fine. You know, but also yeah. like there's, I, I, I don't want to say this to sound like, you know, um, not, I understand how, how bad the situation is. But it's also like poetic in the sense that it is forcing us to like really take a pause and um, realign and uh, realign. Yeah. Refocus whatever word you want to use for me. Like, again, spending time with my daughter, like I, you know, stupidly only took seven weeks off of maternity leave. And, um, that would, I'd always said to myself, like, okay, one day, like definitely before Dylan goes to school, I'm going to take like, I'm going to take my, a two, like a two month hiatus from work and just spend time with her. And then, and then now it, it, it's here. Yeah, it's here, you got <laughs> you know, it. I, I wanted to do it in Italy, but it's, it, yeah, but yeah. like trying to, again, look at the glass half full, um, and knowing that we have our health. Um, we have each other in some ways, even if yeah. it's through Zoom or social media. Yeah. If you're in LA, the weather is incredible. Um, trying to find we're lucky out on that too has been it's true important, it's dude. True. I right, a lot of places oh, it's cold outside. Yeah, and, and 
I know, but I think it's also gonna, you know, obviously that's gonna get warmer, hopefully all across the country. And I think that naturally just puts people, puts a smile on people's faces. Yeah. So I'm hoping for that yeah. um, as well. But yeah, hacks just like, man, get in a schedule and try to look at the glass half full. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the future um, while I still have you. And I wonder what you think the impact of all of this will be on the fashion industry and specifically the e-commerce industry. So two things, I think one on the fashion industry, it's insane. Like it is just like, I guess, like restaurants, et cetera. I mean, think about every single store that's closed right now. Yeah. And, you know, all the people that's losing it, their jobs, I think the impact is going to be significantly longer than we, you know, anticipate or expect. And then for e-com, I am hopeful and maybe because I'm in the uh, e-com space and digitally native that like, that's where I think opportunities will definitely be, will be because you will obviously not having that overhead of having a physical space puts you in a, in a different like financial category, whatever you want to call it. And then uh, secondly, like being able to continuously try to connect with your consumer yeah. in a deeper and deeper way to me is super exciting. I think one thing that I'm very proud of for the team, again, this goes back to like, you know, pivoting and being nimble. It's like immediate, like when I say immediately, like within days, it was like changed the whole entire homepage email. I mean, I know it sounds like really like whatever, but there's a lot of people I work at like at Revolve. And so to be able to be like, change everything to it's be a lot. like, boom. Yeah, it's a lot of like moving parts. Yeah. And so to be able to do that and also look at like, okay, what merchandise do we have? That's also one thing that's forcing Revolve to look at is like, oh, wow, there's all these other things that we can sell and that our customers looking to us too, which is very exciting. Yeah. Because obviously as a, as a going out business, you know, travel business, we do a lot of dresses. Um, you guys have the best sweats and sweatpants hoodie selection in the game and really? beauty selection. So if you're listening, don't just think of Revolve as like your go-to for going out. Oh my God. That makes me so happy because that's what we think. And, and, and I think for a long time we were like, yeah, people like don't really come to us for that. No, I come to you guys a lot for knitwear, for sweaters, for sweatpants, a lot of beauty. Speaking of beauty, Dylan pulled out her makeup set. Dylan, do your makeup <laughs> for us. <laughs> do a tutorial. But it's been, it's really encouraging. That's the word I want to use to see that like, wow, like our customer is present with us and is saying like, hey, I want to buy those things with you, from you. And because again, before it was really central and marketing our marketing was also centered around traveling dresses going right. out partying bachelorette like all these things and now it's like okay this is great like it gives us yeah. a wider it's a category. great opportunity to capture your audience that you already have in a different way totally and yeah and I guess the one of the last things that is opportunistic but potentially of course damaging to the overall retail space is that you know, you are going to have a lot of guys, unfortunately, closed down, which kind of is like up for grabs in terms of where that customer grow goes. And so for, for us, I hope that, you know, we can participate in that successfully and, and try to um, acquire new customers at this time that that is challenging, but also again, a, a time of opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um, you just spoke at Wharton, which looks so amazing, but I've been dying to ask you what most of the students there were asking and what they wanted to know from you in terms of like the next generation in fashion. 
Welcome back, Dylan. <laughs> just, just gonna go in and out. I'm sorry. Don't be. Um, this is so fun. <laughs> first of all, Wharton was like, I never even like, I couldn't even say it was a dream come true because that was never even in my mind space of like that would happen and to me. So it was just like beyond, and I was completely like, I don't know. I was so crazy. I was I when I did it, I was so I got emotional because I just again never thought that that would be like something that would happen and the students are so smart <laughs> so it was like about a hundred people mostly women That's amazing. Um, I would say 80% they had such great questions so half of them were undergrad and the other half were in getting their masters their MBA and they had just such great questions my presentation I did it not I wanted to focus on the business but I thought that that wouldn't be the right way to present my story so I did my whole entire like kind of life from like fail, from coming here to America to having a failed business to you know obviously you know helping take the company public etc and a lot of them were like wow like thank you so much for like sharing like how long it took you to get here and I think like that was my main messages to these students is like nowadays it's really even as an influencer you're like oh I could be famous like tomorrow um, which you can potentially, but I think for it to really be long lasting, it's just that it takes a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's building a and business. To get like, exactly. And to get those really, you know, solid deals that you want and those crazy partnerships that you want, it takes a long time. And um, that was kind of one of the things that I wanted to impart to the students is that like, it took a long time to get here, but you know, kind of I'm in it, in it for the long haul. And I think a lot of times even now, or maybe things will change because of the of uh, Corona, but like, um, you know, a lot of businesses are just like, let's raise as much money as possible and um, get the crazy valuation and then get out. You know, I think one thing that I learned from Mike and Michael with Revolve, you know, they've had the business for 16 years and it took them 16 years to go public and they built the business to own the business. Um, yeah. not just to like That's important. To sell it. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, like for, for my values, like it kind of aligns. And so good things take time. Of, totally. And yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's what, that's with anything. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was just such an incredible experience. And the questions that they had really were like, how do you continue to iterate on the, on influencer marketing? A lot of them want to start their own business. It's like, what, what, what advice would you give? What mistake you know, um, did you make that you're obviously like so great lesson learned? Um, but a lot of it was centered around like, how do you stand out in this, in this space where everyone is doing influencer marketing when everyone is like now traveling when blah, 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 blah. But again, this is, we call it BC before Corona. <laughs> By the way, every um, single person has said that on this podcast. If they're coming really? on an episode, they're like BC before Corona. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pick up the lingo then. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So BC, you know, and now again, it's like this potentially clean, like slate or a new slate yeah. of like what could come of it. So, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity smart. for creativity right now. For sure. Yeah. Um, and ways to like engage with the customer and the fan and, and in a more deeper way, but yeah. Yeah, it was so fun. And I, I want to like, that was one of the like definite highlights of my career. And I would love to do it again, for sure. What's one tip you have for anybody who wants to be in your shoes? Oh, one tip. It's so lame, but it's it's just that you really do have to work hard at, at this. And hard work means 
things don't really just come overnight. It, it may in some capacity, but for the long term, it's going to take time to really build and have a sustainable business. And I think that's another key thing is sustainability in the sense of like, you know, sometimes you'll have an overnight success and then something like this happens and you're gone the next day. I think having, you know, a long-term vision and experience and knowing what hard work means sustains you for, for, for these types of um, unforeseenable events that you could have never planned for. And then I think the other thing, which is much more challenging is um, really believing in yourself. I get, I know that sounds cheesy, but... No, but it's definitely a challenge. It's a challenge, but it also really just starts with you. I think a lot of times we doubt ourselves and our capabilities to be creative or our capability to pitch an idea, to speak up, or obviously when you fail or have a failed business, it's really hard to pick yourself back up because a lot of people that at that point really doubt you. Are you going to make it? Oh, she had that business. You know, who knows if it's going to you know, how how that's going to turn out, you know, are you ever going to make money? (laughs) Like, these are all like questions that, you know, my parents definitely had and I had for myself. But it's really me starting with myself and thinking about what I want and making sure that I, I not only like make that happen, but I verbalize that to other people so that they know that like, hey, I can do this, you know, Um, we forget that and we forget how powerful that is. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell Dylan, thank you for coming on too. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And I'm so sorry about like the moving around. Honestly, it's okay. It's part of what everybody's going through right now. And I think it's really important to highlight that real aspect of this is like what our normal is right now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at dearmedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.